All right, and as we take up our offering this morning, the ways that you can give are up there on the screen. There is a black box at the back of the room that says give. You can drop your offering in there. Otherwise, the electronic ways are up there. Uh, and then you can head over to our website as well, meadowbrook.ca, and there's a big button there that says give, and that will walk you through that as well. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews 1. I was joking with John and Marissa after the service last Sunday, and they said, okay, Chris, ha, 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 now you can tell us this was all just a joke and that <laughs> nothing is changing, and, uh, and believe me when I say there's part of me that uh, resonates with that very well. Uh, I have so loved worshiping with you, Meadowbrook. Thank you, worship team, for leading us uh, so wonderfully this morning. Um, here at Meadowbrook Church, we are helping people take their next steps with Jesus. And so wherever you're at in your spiritual journey, we want to walk with you in whatever that next step is. Uh, part of our heart when we came up with that statement a few years ago is that the journey of faith is always moving. We're not stagnant. We don't stay still. We are always moving. And part of moving, of course, uh, involves change. And change isn't our favorite thing in the world. But if we are walking with Jesus, then we want to end up in a different place than when we started. And so the journey is part of it. So Meadowbrook Church exists to help you take your next steps with Jesus. We focus on that primarily in these three ways, upward, inward, and outward. So upwardly, we want to take our next steps in our connection, our communion with God, our knowledge of God, our relationship with him. We want to be actively growing in that connection and communion. We want to take our next steps inwardly as God does his work in us, as he transforms us, as he renews us and restores us and, and makes us into the new creation. And we want to take our next steps outwardly as we live out our faith, as we engage with others, as we share the gospel with others and everything that goes with that. And so here at Meadowbrook, I had never heard of you guys nine years ago, to be honest. And so Sarah is from the area. Sarah's from Essex. I grew up in the Toronto area. Uh, at the time, nine years ago, we were living up in Sudbury. Uh, it was very cold. It was in the spring, and we still had snow on the ground. You guys did not down here. But we had been looking for a job for a while. We had been searching for almost a year and we were in the Pentecostal church. We were uh, interviewing at Pentecostal churches and applying to Pentecostal churches and really had no intention of leaving the Pentecostal church. And then as the months turned into months turned into months, we thought, well, maybe the reason a door isn't opening in the Pentecostal church is because God's going to lead us outside of the Pentecostal church. Maybe he has a different thing for us. It was not something we had originally thought of. And so as we began to pray into that, uh, I don't remember this particular meeting, but Sarah remembers it quite well. Well, she said we were driving in the car one day and we were talking about all these things and having a conversation. Uh, and I apparently had said to her, well, if we were ever going to leave the Pentecostal church, uh, it would have to be somewhere Anabaptist. That would be where I have to end up. And there was just something about that stream of the church that I was increasingly drawn to and, and stirred up about. And so at the same time, as we were wrestling through all of that, we were also uh, just feeling kind of lonely and homesick. We were up in Sudbury all by ourselves. We didn't have anyone uh, in terms of family around us. And uh, we're just praying, Lord, if it's your will, we would love to be closer to family, either in Essex County or, or in the Toronto area, so that we can be close to some family as our kids are growing up. And then with that as well, I'd been a pastor for a number of years and was uh, kind of hopeful that there might be a different type of job that would still allow me to do a lot of teaching and yet wouldn't be the lead pastor position necessarily. And so I remember so clearly, it was a Monday night 
and dinner was done, and I was on the computer, and I was looking at jobs on the ministry job sites. There are ministry employment sites, and so I was on one of them. I was looking down this list, and I saw this job, and I called Sarah downstairs, and I said, there's a teaching pastor job at an Anabaptist church in Leamington. And that just looks too good to be true. That looks perfect. That looks like exactly what we have been praying for. It looks exactly where the Lord had wrestled us through over that year of searching and discernment. It looks exactly what we are looking for. And then we said, okay, now we, we've applied places before and been disappointed, so we're not going to get our hopes up. Um, and so I threw in a resume, heard back very quickly from a lovely lady named Sherry Whitfield, uh, and we began a conversation, which led to a phone interview, which led to an in-person interview, which led to various other steps. Um, and nine years ago, we came down to candidate, and we were voted in by you guys to join the church. And uh, sidebar, they told me to preach short today, by the way, because there's other stuff going on. And as I was preparing this week, I thought, yeah, well, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I feel confident in my employment for the next hour, and then it doesn't matter after that. So we, <laughs> we loved you very quickly, Matterbrook. That was a, a very easy thing. I shared last week that we came down for an in-person interview with the search team, and um, and Sherry was on that team, and Greg, and Wilf, and, and a number of others of you, and uh, so we were here for a, an interview, and we wanted to see what a Sunday morning was like, and so we came in kind of incognito, because we didn't want anyone to know who we were that we were interviewing, and so we came in for the service, and uh, Marissa and Jake and the team were leading worship that day. Uh, they sang the song Forever, which we just did, which is one reason I requested it this morning, and, uh, and Sarah leaned over to me as worship was wrapping up, and she said, we can totally worship at this church. And again, just very quickly connected heart to heart with, uh, with Greg Allen at the time and the rest of the ministry management team and the board. And, uh, and just, yeah, there was confirmation after confirmation after confirmation. And so um, I've been in just kind of nostalgia mode uh, for the last number of weeks and reflection mode. Uh, I just found myself reflecting on uh, some of the stuff that, that we have uh, gone through together and uh, much of it, most of it wonderful, challenges along the way as well, and yet the continued goodness and faithfulness of God over and over and over and over and over again. And nine years, it, that's a long time. That's a pretty big chunk of my life. I, I know I look much younger than I am, but <laughs> it's... Someone had challenged me, uh, you know, why don't you jot down some numbers of, of your ministry here, some numbers of things that you did. I'd never done that before. And you're going like, oh, wow. So like, wow, 26 weddings and some oh, closer to 30 funerals and over 400 sermons and over 1,000 prayer meetings. And you start to go like, wow, nine years, that really adds up. That really turns into something. And then what do you preach on your last one, right? What do you share uh, for your final message? And so I was reflecting over some different sermon series that we have done together over the years. I'm not going to re-preach them this morning. But, uh, but in spring of 2016, we did scripture, gender, and sexuality. We jumped into just, just some tough stuff, talking about what does the Bible say? 
say uh, about these things. We did a series that fall called Living for Eternity. What does the Bible say about heaven? What does the Bible say about hell? What does the Bible say about Judgment Day? And all of those things that are connected to that, just trying to get our head focused, not on this world, but in the world to come, as Scripture calls us to give our focus. We did a series called Another Helper, Getting to Know the Holy Spirit. And we had a, a reading guide that went with that and just spent some time going through every major passage in the Bible about the Holy Spirit. We were, uh, as many Christians are, most of us are, are familiar with Jesus. We're familiar with the Father. The Holy Spirit can be a bit trickier. And so we wanted to spend just a good chunk of time getting to know the Holy Spirit better through that series. The Good Fight, Exploring Spiritual Warfare. Uh, that was one of my favorite ones that we did. Just what does the Bible say about angels, about demons, about the armor of God, about powers and principalities? And we took the whole fall just to dig into that and get some understanding from the Word uh, on what God wants us to know in that area. Uh, one summer, we did a series called Exploring Hell, and it's just, I still love the title of that one. Uh, just, yeah, what does the Bible say about hell? What exactly does it say? And, and is it all literal? Is it all uh, symbolic? And how do we understand it? And what does it mean for us as Christ followers? What does it mean for us uh, as we engage with the world around us? Gifted, talking about the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts that God gives us, walking in what we've been given, just trying to get some understanding in how God has gifted us for His glory and to bless other people. What do we do with that as we walk through this life together? We did a series called Authentic, Becoming Who We Really Are. We wanted to take a number of months just to talk about what does the Bible say about who we are in Christ and who, what is our identity in Him and how do we live out of that identity with everything that we think about ourselves everything the world tells us, what does Jesus think about us, and how do we live out that identity uh, as we look to be more authentic in how we live that piece out. The Upside Down Kingdom, I like that series a lot as well. So often the teaching of Jesus is the exact opposite of what our flesh wants. It's the exact opposite of what the world says, and so to understand uh, just how we live out the gospel, it's the understanding that Jesus really comes to turn things upside down, and yet as you walk with him and understand him better, you realize, oh, that upside down way is so much better uh, to live out the way of Jesus and to live out what he calls us to do as we walk with him. Christ in the Carols, uh, that was also one of my favorite ones that we did. We did that over a couple of Christmases where instead of doing what we normally do, which is take a scripture passage and walk through it, uh, we took a carol, a classic Christmas carol. We walked through it line by line. We pulled the scripture into it that the lines referred to, and we got a better understanding of Jesus and the gospel and the carols themselves. Uh, the worship team doesn't love when I make them do carols, so I don't know what's going to happen now that I'm gone, but I always love the job that our worship team did at Christmas time as they played those carols for us. Fall of 2020, we did a series called Truth Seekers in the midst of COVID, in the midst of a, a very contentious election to our South. There was uh, just a, a time of like, well, how do we know what truth is, right? With every uh, different party and every different group claiming they have the truth, where you can find whatever truth you feel like on the internet and then social media, how do we actually know? How do we discern what truth is? And so we spent some time digging into the practical sides of how we do that. In 2021, we took the whole year just to walk through the book of Revelation. Remember that one? That was, I've never done that before. We started in January with, with Revelation 1, verse 1, chapter 1, and we moved all the way through to the end by the end of the year uh, and just went a little bit of the time trying to get our heads around this great, beautiful, complicated, complex, incredible book of the Bible. And I, I will always remember that part. Uh, earlier this year, we did Jesus and the Sinners and just talking about how does, uh, how do we live like Jesus when it comes to how do we engage with sinners in our midst? That's something that we all need to 
understand. Uh, the Freedom Gospel, we just wrapped up with. And as I said, when we wrapped it up, I didn't know when we started that, that I would be leaving or that the timing was going to work out this way. But I'm really glad. I think that was very beautiful and very fitting that my last sermon series was just refreshing ourselves in the goodness of the gospel, refreshing ourselves in the goodness of who Jesus is. There were many more series beyond that. Those were just some of my favorites. Uh, And so as I've been praying and reflecting on, so how do you wrap it all up now and come down to one last sermon? I decided that we're going to go back to actually a, a different version of the first sermon I ever preached here. So when I came here to candidate, which was nine years ago in, uh, just about a couple months ago, it would have been nine years exactly. I brought you a message from Hebrews 1, and so I thought, we're just going to come full circle and come back around to Hebrews 1. I will finish the way that I began. And so let's take a look at our text. We're in Hebrews 1, and we're just going to read the first few verses together. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. So that's just a good Christ-centered, what we would say is a good Christological passage. Uh, Hebrews is an incredible book, and the, the message of Hebrews in a nutshell is Jesus came and he died for your sins to bring you back to God, and the work is finished. He, he came and he did it all for you. And it unpacks it in a lot of different ways, and we're not totally sure who wrote the book of Hebrews, but the author there just wants to make sure we know over and over and over again that Jesus did it. Jesus has done this for you, and the work is now finished. It's one of the most important things that we can know. And in Hebrews 1, it starts off with a bang, wanting to make very clear that Christians from the beginning didn't believe that Jesus was just a prophet or just an anointed servant or just one who was especially called from God. Uh, They believed those things, but they believed Jesus is God himself. Jesus is God in the flesh, just one of the core tenets of Christianity. Hebrews starts off strong as it lays out everything that Jesus is about to do on the cross. So the first couple of verses in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. So again, no doubt what the author of Hebrews thinks about Jesus, right? No confusion over where he's placed. Jesus. He's placing Jesus right up there with the Father. And so God in the past spoke through the prophets in many ways. He's talking about the scripture. He's talking about the word of God, that in the, ba- in the past God has spoken through the Old Testament at many times, various ways. In these last days, he has spoken through his son. And this has always been a core Anabaptist belief, that the scripture is the word of God written down. Jesus is the word of God lived out perfectly in a human life. He's the only one who's ever been able to pull that off. He's the only one who's lived that perfectly. And so Anabaptists have always said we revere the written word of God and we revere the word of God as demonstrated in the way Christ lives his life. And we actually bring those two things together. We look at the written word alongside the picture of the word lived out through Jesus. And as we see the perfect life lived out through Jesus, we want to imitate that life. We want to live the way that Jesus lives. Moving on, 
the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Again, no confusion as to what, where the author of Hebrews stands. In the early church, there was some wrestling over how do we understand Jesus. Uh, the author of Hebrews is very clear. He is the radiance of God's glory, not just that. He's the exact representation of God's being. Jesus sustains all things by his powerful word. In the Old Testament, that was the type of language that only applied to God. And so the author of Hebrews is tying it together. We believe that Jesus is God. As I found myself reflective over these last number of weeks, I was remembering when we first got here. Uh, that was our moving day nine years ago. Uh, so that, was, that would be a couple weeks from now in August. That'll be exactly nine years. And so uh, we came down from Sudbury. Sarah had come down a day early, and a few of you had met her there to just give the house a good scrubbing, uh, which it needed. It needed a good scrubbing. So thank you, those of you who came and did that. Uh, I arrived with the truck the next day, and uh, a number of you were there. Wes and Leah, you were there that day, and uh, Chris Conrad and others. And uh, just by the end of that day, uh, we went like, wow, Mennonite work ethic. That was just, that was new to us. Because uh, we're like, the house had been scrubbed top to bottom. All our stuff had been unpacked amazingly. Our freezer was full of food. Uh, we were so warmly welcomed. You did such a good job welcoming us to this place. As we were coming into a, a new town, a new denomination, a new church, uh, we felt so loved right away. Um, I was curious, just the, the reason the screen is split there, I was curious as to uh, just what nine years looks like. And our house itself doesn't look that different. Um, but the tree, who I was just kind of like, oh, wow, that's what nine years of a tree looks like. Like. And so you're reflecting on nine years, and, and pastors, the average stay for a pastor is usually four to five years. Uh, so this is actually the longest I've ever stayed at a church by far. And, uh, and you reflect on, again, just all the change that has happened in those nine years. Um, I'll tell you this, here's what else uh, nine years looks like. So the one on the left was within our first few weeks here, and uh, Ron Bartell came over and helped build this play structure uh, for us in the backyard, and so they're sitting on the slide there. Um, they still are just that lovey now, even as they <laughs> head into the junior high ages. Uh, and then Suzanne Clayton took the one on the right uh, at a family photo shoot. So that's a little less than nine years. That was last fall. But uh, we're not going to put a picture up of how I've aged in the last nine years. That's just not something. You've watched it week by week in real time. You, you get it. Um, but as we, uh, yeah, again, just in reflection mode and in grateful mode, um, so incredibly grateful for all of you who have poured into my kids. For all of you who have been Sunday school teachers, youth teachers, uh, kids club, and youth nights, uh, for all of you who have led them and taught them and mentored them, uh, we don't thank our kids and youth workers enough, but you're really, uh, all ministry is important, all roles are important, but it uh, seems to be somewhat of a thankless job where you're kind of on the other side of the building and, and not everybody uh, gets to see it, and, and you get to walk with kids for a while, and then they're into youth, and then you walk with youth for a while, and then they're off to other things, and uh, and so I, I get that part, but just from my heart, from my wife's heart, thank you so much. Everybody who took time with them in Sunday school and on Tuesday nights and on Thursday nights and, and beyond just to pour into my kids and to all of our kids here at Meadowbrook. It is so appreciated. It is seen by us, and we are so grateful for all who invested in that. Uh, just as we, um, again, just I, I've been teary uh, these last number of weeks. Somebody said, uh, you know, they weren't able to be here this morning, so they just sent me a note and just said, it's good, you're not going to see me ugly cry. Uh, as we go through. And I said, hey, I am pro-ugly cry, for the record. 
Uh, we've had lots of tears in the Walker household as we have been processing this and working through this together. And, uh, and I've said to my family, sad is good. It doesn't necessarily feel pleasant, but this is a really good sort of sad. This is a sad that says we've loved something. This is a sad that says we are, are disappointed to go, um, but we don't pretend we're not sad. We don't deny that we're sad. We, we just lean into it. We feel what we feel. And then we say, all right, Lord, come and meet me in my sadness, and we will process that together. Um, God has really blessed me with the most incredible wife and the most amazing kids. And I have, uh, I was doing good. <laughs> the pastor's families share their, their loved ones a lot, right? That's just how the job goes. And, uh, and my family always has done it without complaining. I, I've never heard them upset or annoyed, uh, at any of it. And, um, and Sarah's just, uh, you know, I think of my life and, and other girls I dated and the way I thought my life might go at different times. And I go, man, God just brought me the perfect woman for me, um, who is just absolutely the, like Adam and Eve, just the right partner, absolutely the right half that I needed to complete myself and uh, has blessed us with two incredibly smart and strong and brave kids who we love so much. And damn, that's given me a thumbs up in the front row. <laughs> So you might note, as you see our family together, Kaylee takes a lot after me and my side of the family. Matt looks a little more like Sarah. People tell us all the time that, uh, you know, Kaylee and I look similar. And um, I remember once I was saying to Kaylee, I just often have called her as a nickname, lovely or beauty or, or whatever. So she'd walk into the room and I'd say, hey, beautiful. And she said to me once, dad, you look just like me. So you're just complimenting yourself. <laughs> And I said, well, yeah, that's not wrong. Like, yeah, that's, that's the way that goes. Um, but parents look like their or kids, or kids look like their parents, I should say, right? That's not unusual. That, that's normal. And sometimes when people are like, wow, you guys really look alike. It's like, yeah, it's because she's my kid. That's, that's not shocking. That's just normal. And, and yet, it's not quite the same as what the author of Hebrews is talking about. Because Kaylee looks like me because she's my daughter. She's my DNA. She has my genes in her. And Matthew looks more like Sarah for the same reason. And so there's a, a natural thing that happens. The author of Hebrews takes it to a whole other level and says the son isn't just a descendant of the father. The son is the exact representation of who the father is. So it's not just a family resemblance. It is the son is exactly like the father. To see Jesus is to see the father. And Jesus would say that about himself. If you want to get to know God, you just have to look at Jesus. And if you want to get to know God better, you just have to get to know Jesus better. That one of the reasons Jesus came was to reveal the Father to us just in a really easy to understand, accessible way. He has just made it as easy as possible to get to know the Lord. In Colossians 2.9, Paul says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. That in Jesus, the fullness of who God is has taken on flesh. The fullness of everything that the Father is, is shown to us in Jesus. And from the very beginning, when we met Meadowbrook Church, uh, the, the line, the phrase at the time, the mission statement was uh, leading people into the Christ-centered life. And we so valued that because in our lives, Jesus is at the center of everything. And we were so excited to find a church where Jesus is at the center of everything. And so, uh, and I've been so blessed to be here and to engage and meet with so many people 
who also live that way, where Jesus is the center of everything. And there are so many who serve in so many different ways, and I, I don't have time to list every single person who serves in this church, but for all who've served on worship and tech and ushering and greeting and cutting the grass and taking care of the building and finance and cafe and kids and youth and all of the different areas of the church, thank you for coming alongside us in this time. You have ministered to me even as I have ministered to you, and we've done this all together. And so thank you for your service. Thank you for beyond just the serving, just for showing up to worship, for showing up to pray, for encouraging one another, for walking together in life groups. Thank you for having Jesus at the center of this church and for being willing to walk in that direction as a church family. Coming to the end, sort of. Verse 3, second part. After he, Jesus, had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. That as Jesus hung on the cross and came to the end of his time there, uh, his famous words were, it is finished. So Jesus gets to sit down now because it's finished. His work is finished. The cross did it all. The resurrection did it all. And now that the cross and resurrection have happened, there's nothing left for him to do. It's all been done. And so he gets to take a load off for all eternity because his work is done. He has done everything that the Father asked him to do. And so now he gets to just sit. A little later in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 14, says, For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And I come back to that verse a lot. You've heard me speak on it before, and I love the tension in it because it says on the one hand, by his sacrifice, we are perfect forever. Our sins are wiped out. We are invited back into fellowship with God. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. We are cleansed by one sacrifice. We are perfect forever. And yet it says he's made perfect forever. Those who are being made holy, the understanding that in God's view, we are perfect forever. Here on earth, we're being made holy still. We're in process. We're not perfected in its entirety in our flesh yet. And yet in God's eyes, in our standing with him, in his view of us, we are perfect forever because of what Jesus has done. And so now Jesus sits down because he's done his part. He's gone to the cross. He's defeated the devil. He has overcome death. He has taken on the sin. He has taken on our shame. He has gone through all of that. He has literally gone through hell. He has risen from the dead. And now he gets to sit down. We don't get to sit down yet because we've been given a mission. We've been given a, a commission to go out and to make disciples of all nations. We, we have been given a commission to pursue holiness and to pursue more of him, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so as Jesus gets to take a load off because his work is done, he now fills us with the Spirit to go out and continue his work of building the kingdom here on earth, which he does through us. And so we don't get to sit down yet. And Meadowbrook, you don't get to sit down yet. There is work to do yet. There are people to reach with the gospel. There is more of Jesus to encounter. There is more ways to support and love one another. There are still things for us to do, even as he sits down and gets to rest. We will rest one day, but we're not there yet. My leg of the race here at Meadowbrook is done, but all I'm doing is passing the baton so the race can keep going. 
And I'll be so bummed out to, if I ever find out that things, you know, went backwards or, 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 you know, got lazy or whatever. And I'm not worried about that for you at all. But your job is to keep going now. Your job is to keep moving. And God will bring you another pastor. And he will take the baton and he'll keep going. And he'll lead you into new and amazing and exciting things in Jesus. There are wonderful days to come. And as I leave temporarily in the interim, uh, I pass the baton to the board and to the staff, the ministry management team. Uh, And guys, you are blessed with such unbelievable leaders at this church. The staff is incredible. The board is incredible. I trust them 100%. I call upon you to give them your full support, your full encouragement. Scripture says about those who lead us in a church that if you're not a leader, your job is to make their job a joy. It's your, your job is to make their job easier, lighter. Your job is to pray. Your job is to support. Uh, and so I'm just so grateful for the staff of this church and, and staff members over the years, the current board and many board members over the years. Uh, we've had such wonderful leadership here. And I uh, just very peacefully commend you into their hands as they discern what is next and as they help lead you into what God has for you next. Verse 4, last verse, so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs, that Jesus is the name above every other name, that we believe there is no other name but Jesus by which we can be right with God. And so in that, as we get ready to wrap up in just a minute here, wrap up my part, sorry, I really have no idea what's coming next, so you might be here for another hour. Uh, But we worship Jesus because he's worthy to be worshipped. Right? We worship him because his name is greater. And our worship does not depend on uh, how I feel on any given day. It doesn't depend on whether I like a worship song or not. It doesn't depend on the circumstances in my life. We worship him because he's worthy to be worshipped. That's enough. That's enough. And as we get ready to wrap up my part here, I'm just going to close off uh, with just a few parting thoughts. These are just things you've heard me say a thousand times in a thousand different ways, uh, but just some of the important things that I have tried to teach here. I'm just going to wrap up with a few of those as a bit of a summary. Then I want to pray for you and bless you one last time, and then I'll pass the microphone to Greg Weens, who is our board chair. So here are some things, again, you've heard me say these lots of times in different ways. So worship the Lord passionately because he's worthy of worship. Uh, That scripture I read from Revelations earlier says he's worthy. He deserves it. Why do we worship him? Because he deserves it. Well, I don't feel great today. Doesn't matter. Still deserves it. I don't love that worship song. Maybe I don't like it either, but he still deserves it. We worship him because he's worthy to be worshipped. He made you. He provides for you. He watches over you. He loves you. He died for you. He rose for you. He deserves the worship. He deserves it. He is worthy of our worship. So we don't let our moods, our attitudes, our circumstances control our worship level. We worship the Lord passionately because he's worthy of worship. Moving on, I've said this already today, to see Jesus is to see God. So get to know Jesus better, to know God better. That if we want to understand the Father more, if we want to get an understanding of the greatness and the glory and the mystery of God, we just need to look to Jesus. And to see Jesus is to see God, and so we trust that. Is my remote not working? I see you guys scrambling up there. All right. Whoops. Now we're fighting each other. 
All right, Scripture is the Word of God written down. I've said this already today as well. Jesus is the Word of God lived out perfectly, so live like Jesus. Scripture is the Word of God written down. Jesus is the Word lived out in a human life perfectly, so we want to live like Jesus. To that end, uh, you've heard me say this as well many times, that in order to see Jesus, next slide, guys, please, to see Jesus and to call ourselves a Christ follower, 1 John 2, 6, we actually have to follow the way of Christ. And that was something that Anabaptists, again, were very strong on, where they always said, uh, you know, we revere all of Scripture, we are followers of Jesus, so we don't get to ignore teachings of Jesus uh, and just cherry-pick an Old Testament passage that lets us do this thing that we want to do. We actually have to center everything on following in the footsteps of Jesus, 1 John 2, 6. If you want to call yourself a Christ follower, you actually have to follow in the way of Christ. Next one, guys, please. To live in love like Jesus, we sacrifice for others and we put them first. We talked about this last week, 1 John 3.16, the other John 3.16, that if you want to love like Jesus, we know what love looks like in, in our faith. Love looks like a cross. And Jesus demonstrates his love for us at the cross. So to live and love like Jesus, it means we sacrifice for others and we put them first. Thanks, guys. 1 John 3.16. To be a Christian is to love God and to love others, so... Love him and love one another. Jesus said that is the the whole law summed up. Everything God wants for us summed up uh, in this very simple way is that we love God and we love others. When we love God properly and we love others properly, we live out what God wants naturally. The goodness of God's commandments naturally flow when we get love right. And so we love God and we love others and we live out that way. There are disputable matters in the Christian faith where it's okay to agree to disagree, and you must not treat with contempt the ones who disagree with you. Uh, The first part is okay, I think, for a lot of Christians. The second part can actually be harder. To understand that there are non-disputables, there are core tenets of the faith that we are not debating. There are lots of other elements of the faith where Christians who sincerely love Jesus and who sincerely revere his word can read the Bible and come to some different conclusions. And so your job is to wrestle through it and seek truth, come to your conviction and live it out, and then be gracious to the one on the other side and not treat them with contempt. Anytime we're getting self-righteous, anytime we're looking down on people who disagree with us, we're moving away from what Romans 14 calls us to. The things that unite us are so much greater than the disputable matters that we might disagree on. And so we unite around those most important things. We give grace on those less important things. We're okay to agree to disagree. We love one another in spite of that. I think that's so important. God responds to the prayers of his people. Again, we've done something like a thousand and something prayer meetings in my time here. um, And we have just seen God answer prayer over and over and over and over again. Uh, I'm of the opinion that things don't happen in the kingdom if God's people don't pray. And when God has called us to pray, then he hears from heaven. He responds to the prayers of his people. So let us be a praying people. Let us honor God in that way. Be filled with the word and be filled with the spirit. 
It's not one or the other. It's both together. If you're filled with the Spirit without the Word, without being grounded in the Word, then inevitably you start chasing experiences. Inevitably your theology starts to get a little wonky. Uh, You start to go on just kind of what it feels like rather than necessarily about what truth is because the Word is there to keep us grounded in truth. So we don't want to just be filled with the Spirit. On the flip side, you don't want to only be filled with the Word because if you're filled with the Word without being filled with the Spirit, that's where you get legalistic. That's where you get judgmental. That's where the fruit of the Spirit starts to dry up in your life. That's where you start to know a lot about God, but maybe don't know God in that personal, relational way that he invites us to. So we don't want to do one or the other. We want to be filled with the Word, and we want to be filled with the Spirit, and we want to live that out together. All right, last one. Jesus loves you more than you imagine. He died to solve the problem of your sin. He rose to solve the problem of your death, and he calls you to follow him the gospel in a nutshell. Uh, So again, those are just some closing parting thoughts, things you've heard me say multiple times in many ways. I will leave them with you. Uh, And as I come to the end and get ready to pass this off, Meadowbrook, uh, God is wonderfully at work here in this church. He is doing great things all over the place. I don't even know all the things that are are happening because sometimes people will share stuff and I go, oh, wow, that's new information because he's just doing so many things in so many different ways. He is beautifully at work. There is great reason to be excited for what is coming next. There is great reason for hope and faith as to where he's leading you next. There is great reason to be thankful and grateful for all he has done and all he is doing. I said this to you last week. It's not the time in transition to lean back. It's time to lean in now. It's time to lean in and commit yourself and support one another and walk with each other through this. I know sometimes when a church goes into transition, people have an idea of like, well, we're just kind of treading water until the new person gets here. No, no, no. God's going to do stuff in you in the transition that's going to be amazing that's going to be transformative, that's going to be important. There's going to be sermons that come and worship times and prayer times that are life-changing because God is not going like, oh, Chris is gone. All right, well, I guess I'll take a load off until the new guy gets here. God is beautifully at work here, and your transition time, if you are willing to lean in, is going to be a powerful time in his word and in his presence. He's going to do awesome things here. I want to say thank you to everybody. Uh, Again, just top to bottom, We have met such incredible people here. Um, It has been an honor to be your pastor for the last nine years. I've been in different roles in different ways. I wasn't always the lead, uh, but it has been an honor the entire time to bring the word to you. Uh, Thank you for trusting me with that. Thank you for inviting me to do that. Thank you for your prayers and support over the years. Uh, I want to pray for you one last time, and then uh, later, maybe then we thought, I will pass the mic to Greg Weens, and we will carry on the service from there. So let us pray. Blessed be the God of Meadowbrook Church. Hallelujah. Jesus, we acknowledge you as the shepherd of this place. Beyond any person or leadership team, Jesus, this is your church. You are the head. You are the only head. And so we rightly just remind ourselves, refresh ourselves of that this morning. I pray, Father, for this place as you now lead them into a time of transition, as you lead them into a new pastor down the road, Lord. I pray, Father, for your grace abundant to be on this place in this time. I pray, Father, that you will just bless this place with your presence 
presence, with your peace, with your word, with your spirit. I pray, Father, that the enemy will have no foothold here, that you will set your angels around this place and these people and keep them safe in this time of transition, Lord. I pray, Father, for grace to come from heaven, but also for grace to rise up in every heart and in every mind, Lord, as you continue to do your work in every single one. I pray, Father, that you take this church further than I have seen. You know, Lord, there are things I have prayed for that I have not seen come to pass yet. I say in full faith, they will come to pass for Meadowbrook Church. You will continue to do your work, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you will take this church further in the word, further in the spirit, further in prayer, further in holiness, further in maturity in Christ, Lord. Take this church further now as they head into a new season together. Whoever that new leader is, Father, wherever they're at today, in Jesus' name, we call out through the spirit and we call them forth and say, come and join Meadowbrook Church. It's a wonderful place. I pray, Father, Holy Spirit, that you will be at work in them and that family and be preparing them. And as quickly as you are able to, Lord, in your will, bring them to this place, Lord. And I just pray a a wonderful union just as I felt when I first came here, Lord. And I pray as the baton gets passed, Lord, that they will run with the strength that you give and the leadership that you give and the grace that you give and lead this place into wonderful things things in the future as you pour out your spirit on this place, as you lay out your word for this place, Lord, as you lead and guide and protect the people of this church, Lord, that you will lead them into a wonderful and a glorious future in you. Close with this blessing now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his great power, which is at work within us, to him be glory in Christ Jesus and in the church of Meadowbrook Church, now and forevermore. Amen. So for the next few minutes, we're going to have a number of us who will get up and share a few thoughts uh, on behalf of all of the rest of us uh, in regards to Pastor Chris and family and what they have meant to us uh, as a church. So like most of you, I never thought this day would come. I figured Chris would be our lead pastor for the foreseeable future, uh, for years to come, uh, that he would retire here. And, uh, but as we all know, the Lord has a different plan. Um, we are not God. He is. And so we trust him. We trust that the Lord has tremendous blessings in store for Chris and Sarah. We trust that the Lord has tremendous blessings in store for us as a church. And we look forward to great anticipation for what he will do in their lives and in ours. So in trying to figure out what to say this morning... Uh, I didn't, uh, words were hard to come up with. Uh, We are sad. Um, But at the same time, like I say, we have an opportunity. So for the next couple minutes, I would just like to say thank you to Pastor Chris. Thank you for listening to the Lord. Nine plus years ago, you said yes to come to Leamington, and you shared that story. 
And uh, I was one of the first ones to connect with Chris. And uh, God is good. And so thank you for listening to him. Thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness to us as a church. Your faithfulness Sunday after Sunday to be here, to share with us, to help us, to guide us. Thank you. Thank you for your preaching the Lord's word each and every Sunday. God's truths and his word, as you noticed with uh, the slides that went up, those last bullet points in regards to um, his comments, all filled with scripture at the bottom each and every time. That's what Chris did for us. He helped us in that regard. Thank you for your comments like disputable matters. I thought that was kind of interesting that he put that up there, and that's one of the words, that, some of the words that I will remember. Um, it doesn't matter if we have some items that we don't totally agree on. We can still love each other and be friends and get along. And I think that's the most important thing that we need to remember, uh, is that there, Scripture is not clear on all things, so we can agree to disagree. Thank you for your perseverance through the tough times. Again, churches shouldn't have tough times, but they do, and we have had, and Chris has persevered. James chapter 1 talks about perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. So you need to thank us for helping you become mature and complete. Thank you. Thank you to Sarah, Kaylee, and Matt for sharing your husband and your father with us these many years. We are very thankful for that. Thank you for leading and guiding our staff. We've had different staff over the years, but they have always been coached by Chris. He's always given them words of encouragement and affirmation, and I'm sure they will share about that as well. So, again, in closing, uh, we can say, again, what did Chris help us with? Well, he's helping us each and every day to take our next steps with Jesus. And how is he doing that? By helping us go upward and get closer to the Lord. By going inward and helping us deal with our stuff. And then going outward and telling others of what he has done for us and in our lives. So thank you, Chris. Okay, there will be others who will be coming up and uh, will be unannounced and we'll just go from there. Come on up, Rebecca. All right, so um, I'm pro-ugly crying, but I'm not pro-ugly crying when it's me in front of what feels like 500 people. Um, so the rest of you don't exist. This letter is not for you. This letter is for Kaylee and Matthew, which means I'm going to cry a lot. Um, so this is a letter written for Kaylee and Matthew, written by myself, their friends, and their teachers. Dear Kaylee and Matthew, to quote, or I like to call this rewriting, 1 Thessalonians 5.11, I pray that these words would encourage and build you two up as you have encouraged and built us up. For the years that you have been at Meadowbrook, your friends know that you have their backs and love to spend time with you. 
And everyone I've talked to said that they appreciate your kind and genuine hearts. Kaylee, thank you for how willingly um, you share your hugs and smiles and not just with me. You always seem to know how to make me and everyone else around you laugh. And I appreciate how willing you are to talk about books and, and read them together. I'm sorry, you guys aren't invited into our book club. Um, your teachers and youth leaders love the energy and enthusiasm that you bring to small groups. And your friends appreciate how kind and comforting you are in all situations. Thank you as well for your willingness to serve in kids' ministry and the office. And you're not off the hook for the office, my dear. So my day is always brighter when you are around. To Matthew, thank you for your friendship and for all the help that you give. Your friends have told me that they appreciate spending time with you and how kindly you treat everyone around that you meet. That's not how that was supposed to be said. They appreciate how kindly you treat everyone around you. Um, they also appreciate how attentive and present you are in conversations. Your teachers have told me that they enjoy having you in, your class, in their classes, and they want to encourage you to continue to be inquisitive as you seek the Lord. So lastly, to Kaylee and Matthew both, Though we shall miss seeing you on Sundays, I get the happy job of saying that we still get to keep them at youth on Thursdays. I've got promises from both of them. So I still get them to myself. <laughs> Our hearts are really full knowing that we're going to see you on Thursdays and get to spend time with you regularly. Um, I would like to end by encouraging you both with Deuteronomy 31.6. Kaylee and Matthew, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified of what is to come. For the Lord your God goes with you too. He will never leave Kaylee. He will never leave Matthew, nor forsake them. We love you, Kaylee and Matthew. I was asked to share a few words about Chris this morning, like we haven't heard enough about him yet. <laughs> I am anti-ugly cry, by the way. I will, not make any, I will not make any promises, but I don't think I'll be crying up here this morning. My wife and I have joked that I am a robot. <laughs> Everything that I wrote on this page, Chris has already exemplified this morning, is literally just a, just a summary of what he went over this morning. Um, I vaguely remember being at his house the first day uh, when him and Sarah came down. I uh, hate meeting new people, so it was probably completely awkward that day. <laughs> um, but yeah, over the years, definitely been blessed to get to know Chris more and more, uh, and definitely in the last couple of years, even more, as we've started a, a cluster group together. Um, just a blessing to spend that time with him and a couple other men. Um, like he said already, he... Uh, he would, he, he, we, we would be remiss if we didn't concentrate on God, right? He didn't want any of the attention to go to him. Um, I, don't, I don't know why I'm up here, because I don't want to be up here, and he doesn't want the attention. So, <laughs> uh, so a lot of what I'm about to say uh, makes him seem like he's a perfect specimen. 
But let's not forget that he cheers for a team that wasn't, hasn't won the Stanley Cup in 56 years. <laughs> uh, so three, three things that I thought of when thinking about Chris uh, was his love for God and his word, love for his family, and love for the people of Meadowbrook, all which he's already exemplified this morning. Um, as we celebrate the walkers this morning and the time they spend here at Meadowbrook, I know that Chris would rather us just concentrate on God. And I think it's easy for us to point to Chris and also point to how we need to live as a Christ-like follower. Um, The example that he set over this time as a pastor, as a father, as a friend, makes it easy for us to focus on both. Um, His diligence in studying God's word and bringing bringing it to us on Sunday mornings, the books he's written, the podcasts he's recorded, his personal devotional time, his strong prayer life, the obvious love he has for his family, not just Sarah, Sarah, Kaylee, and Matthew, but his Meadowbrook family as well. Um, All those amazing gifts and qualities clearly point towards our gracious, merciful, and loving Father. He served us with his wisdom, his passion, love, discernment, and arguably most important, his humility always attempting to direct us towards our Heavenly Father and His gift of salvation through Christ Jesus. Chris and family, you'll be dearly, dearly missed here, but that's only because you've run the race so well. Sarah, I'm coming for you. Uh, when Susan asked me to say a few words about Sarah, I um, didn't really know where I would start. <laughs> um, I am a very ugly crier, so I'm just going to like admit it, and it's fine, and it's great. It's like, yeah, okay. Um, Sarah has got to be the one of the most beautiful humans I've ever met like in my life. So if you've had a chance to get to know her over these years, you know exactly what I mean. So, we're going to lighten the mood a little. (laughs) Um, We're going to play two truths and a lie. So, you guys can all kind of figure out for yourselves which one is, or which two are true and which one is a lie. So, um, Sarah is very punctual. And I mean like, like super punctual. Um, (laughs) Over, (laughs) getting to know her over the last few years, uh, I am not that way. Um, but she is so punctual that if we are like, Hey, let's go for coffee or come to my house at seven 30 for coffee at seven 30, like on the dot, that doorbell is ringing. And I know, Oh, Sarah's here. Um, she's so punctual that like when we haven't even planned to get coffee, but she's just kind of coming over and we're hanging out. She knows that I'm not going to be ready until exactly seven 30. And so she'll do a couple laps around the block <laughs> and be like, Hey, you want a coffee? I got the time. So super punctual. Okay. Um, very disciplined and very methodical, wakes up at the same time every single day, does her workout, reads her Bible, just is just so disciplined. It's, it's extremely admirable. I am also not like that ADHD over here, so I live life completely different. But just with the fact that the way that she, if you didn't know, Sarah led our uh, children's ministry for, for quite some time, and she just did a wonderful, wonderful job. Uh, and so that just goes to show how disciplined and methodical she is to get it to kind of where it is. The last fact, or lie maybe, is that Sarah is an incredible singer. Like, <laughs> best singer ever. 
So you can decide for yourselves which, which two are true and which one is a lie. Okay. Sarah, what an honor it has been to get to know you. Not just as the pastor's wife, but someone I consider a dear friend. The many sacrifices that you have made for our church over the years and the grace and humility with which you have led are a force to be reckoned with. Um, Your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and willingness to let the Lord lead you in every area of your life has been wonderful to witness. Thank you for being a champion for women and for reminding each and every one of us, I'm going to bring this a little closer, uh, reminding each and every one of us of the vital role that we as women play in the world and in our church and just every day, how important we are. Uh, You have such an incredible, you have been such an incredible example to me of someone who knows how safe she is with her Heavenly Father, that it's okay to ask tough questions, and that it's okay to just wonder sometimes and be left without answers. So I want to say thank you um, personally a lot for that. Thank you for showing us that we don't have to be afraid of the mysteries of our faith, and that we can stand confidently knowing that Jesus welcomes us in. Um. Thank you for never taking life too seriously and for taking the time to laugh even in the midst of a trial. Your positive attitude and trust in the work of the Holy Spirit is something I've deeply admired about you. Selfishly, I'm going to miss you, seeing you worship with us on a Sunday morning with your hands high or your, heart ple- or your hand placed on your heart. But I'm very excited for what's ahead for you and your family. I'm also selfishly so happy that you guys are moving away or you'd be in huge trouble. <laughs> So, um, I'm sure that this is true for a lot of us today. I honestly just don't really know how I'm feeling. So, in the famous words of Ron Burgundy, it feels like I'm in a glass case of emotion. (laughs) I love you and your family so, so much. much good stuff. So much good stuff. Um, anyway, I have had the opportunity to work with Chris for nine years, the whole time that he's been here. I've been on staff. And I remember um, when the search team was, had hired Chris, I remember Sherry Whitfield coming to my office and she was really excited. And she said to me, Susan, I think we have somebody that you are really going to like. And I said, like, why? And she said, he's a man that's filled with the spirit. You will identify with him. <laughs> and that was, that was just really cool because Sherry and I had a really close relationship and we would talk a lot of spiritual things and she just thought he would be a great asset to help us build in our spiritual life. So, Chris, it's been amazing to have you, have been able to work with you the entire time. Um, I have learned so many things from you. One of the things that I have learned, especially from you, is the importance of prayer. You always and if a big decision would come up or anything, we said, well, we need to pray about it. What's the Lord saying? We need to know what is God saying to us through this. So we need to pray. And I will never forget that after Greg left, um, you just said to us as staff, we need to start having prayer meetings. We need to know what God is saying to us. We need to call on, on the Lord for our next season. And that's how our prayer meetings, our, our, our morning prayer meetings started with Chris you know, inviting us to it. And I remember being really excited about that, but also being really nervous about that because we have to pray out loud and I don't know, how am I going to pray for an hour? Like, seriously, we're going to be in this room and pray for an hour. 
And, um, but I learned from you by listening to you how you prayed. You taught me how to pray by praying. And that has just been such an encouragement. And just, you know, ways that you would, you would pray that I had never heard of praying before. And just um, learning from that and praying scripture. Like, I, had, I wasn't familiar even with that. And so that was just really cool. And I'll never forget, it didn't matter if he was the only person that was going to be in the prayer meeting that day. He would be in here for that hour and he would be praying. It wasn't about the people. It was an encounter with God. And that has been huge, has left a huge impact on me. Um, the other thing was that as we were praying, you know, we we're saying, how can we pray for an hour? And I remember Chris, one of the things that Chris said to us was, well, even you don't have to pray. You don't have to say anything to God. You can just sit in here and listen to him. Like, what? What do you mean? Like, am I not just supposed to cut, like rattle on, rattle on, rattle on, tell God things? And he said, no, you just, you can just sit in his presence and listen to him and just enjoy being in his presence. And when then say ask the holy spirit what do you want to say to me that was so new to me i didn't know about that and at first i felt kind of guilty that i'm sitting in the prayer room and i'm not giving god a whole bunch of words but i'm just listening to god but that's where i learned really learned the intimacy with god encounter and that has radically changed my life um and then the other thing was um you encouraged me so much in listening to the holy spirit what is the holy spirit saying and when he was speaking to me you encouraged uh, me to be willing to share what I sense God was speaking. Or you would often say, what do you sense God speaking? What do you sense him saying? And that was just so, so really foreign to me. But it just really developed my intimacy with the Lord, my listening with the Lord, and being able to speak what I sense the Lord speaking. Um, Chris has been our biggest cheerleader on staff he has he would see things in us that we just never saw in ourselves like that he would just say oh no you've got this i see this in you and like try this and when we would fail there was so much grace for us to fail as we were learning there was just so much grace for us to fail and so it was a very safe safe environment for us to develop what god had put within us um i would not be here today standing on stage if it hadn't for chris because i was petrified of being in front of people and Chris, you just saw things in me, things that God had, was in me that I didn't see. And you just encouraged me. You were my cheerleader. I thank you for that. Thank you very much so. You were also a person that I never had to prove myself to. You just saw things and you encouraged me. And you didn't say, prove yourself first, and then I'll let you, you know, work in this area. Thank you for that. And unselfish. Chris has been an incredibly unselfish leader for us as staff. Chris has fought for us in every area. Um, And many times there are things that he wouldn't even tell us about just because he didn't want us to take it on, that he would carry it instead. Chris has been a prayer warrior for us. And... um, Our lives, our staff, radically changed as a result of it. Thank you for always seeing the good in us and then very gently restoring the things that weren't good in us with a lot of grace. It's just been incredible. So you have left a huge impact on Meadowbrook Church. We will never forget that. We are so grateful to God for sending you here, for being our shepherd, for being our friend, for being our prayer warrior, 
for being our teacher, but most of all, for loving us so dearly and giving so much of yourself to us. Thank you. Uh, well, we want to release you with our blessing into the journey that God has for you next. And we are very excited. We know that God has great things for you, and we look forward to hearing what will come out out of that, that ministry. Um, I do want to just, um, as we were in prayer a couple weeks ago, we were praying, and I heard very clearly the Lord just said, the foundation is, is laid, let's go. And I'm like, what foundation? And the Lord just, in through my thoughts, said very clearly, Chris has been here for nine years, laying the foundation for the season that's next to come. Let's go. And so we are excited to go to our next season, as Chris is excited to go to his next season. So I just want to uh, speak this Psalm 128 over you. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your home. Your children will be like the olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. And may you live to see the ch- your children's children. We bless you for that. Thank you. I would like to call up Renee and Chris Clausen and Chris Walker as they present the gift from our church to Chris. All right, Chris, I'm going to have you hold this one first, and you can actually start unwrapping it. Um, I'm going to explain this one a bit. So if you didn't know, we collectively as a church just wanted to give you some words of the impact that you and your family has had um, over us in your time here. So these are just some collected stories, and it was wrapped by our interns very securely. (laughs) Um, They haven't learned tape use yet. Um, (laughs) Nice. It's always awkward opening presents in front of hundreds of people. Amazon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I can take that. So we have turned this into a book of all letters written from your church family to have and to keep and to always remember your time here. I'll try and follow that gift up, but we'll see how we go. (laughs) So we as a staff, we were debating for a bit uh, what else to get you and help Sarah too. um, We came up with this. And um, you'll have a few free evenings now, so hopefully this will (laughs) help you out with some of those. (laughs) (laughs) There's Walker on the back. Just the number nine, it represents the, just the nine amazing years that you've been at this church. And there's a C on the front, too. You've, you could stand for Chris, but it's also captain and coach. You've been our coach on staff for, I know I've been here for a short time, but you've been such an amazing coach and mentor and 
just all the words of encouragement that you've given us, and we just thank you. At this time, I want to call out, call up the Walker family, the BOE, and the MMT members, please. We want to uh, pray over Chris and his family. Let's pray. Father, it's a, an emotional morning. Um, a lot of sadness, a lot of excitement. Um, just thank you so much for the blessing of the walkers here, Lord. It's been, it's been an amazing nine years through the ups and the downs. Um, you've, you've guided us by using, uh, using this family, with Lord. Um, the gifts that you've given them, and they've so willingly served here at Meadowbrook with those gifts, Lord, just leading us towards you. Um, helping us take our next steps, Lord. Just thank you for, for everything that you've blessed them with, Lord, and that those blessings have come on to us. Um, what an amazing gift they've been to us here at Meadowbrook, Lord, and I just pray a blessing on them as they go, um, that they would succeed in all their endeavors, Lord, and that they would continue to glorify your name in all of it. Uh, and I know they would also pray the same for Meadowbrook, Lord, that we are that we are continuing to, to walk in your will, Lord, continuing to search you and to, to seek your will for us, Lord. Um, just thank you again for this family, Lord. What a blessing they are to us. In Jesus' name. Father, as we continue in prayer, we just stand before you with hearts so full of gratitude and so full of thanksgiving, Lord. We give you thanks for the many ways that Pastor Chris and family have just given of themselves to Meadowbrook. We are so grateful we are not the same because of them. And Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we just pray your blessing upon them. We pray that you may increase their gifting, that you may increase your blessing in their life, that their home may be filled with hope, with joy, with so much laughter and with so much gladness, Father. We pray that you would bless with increasing measure everything that they place their hand on, everything that you call them to, Father. May you increase your richness in all of it, Father. We pray that as they go forward to what you have for them, Lord, we stand in agreement with your heart and your will for their lives, Father, with full hearts of love, we give you thanks for this family. In Jesus' holy name, we send you forth into what Father, what Father God has for you. In Jesus' name, we pray this. Amen. 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 All right, guys, let's stand up and worship.